You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast. Your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with legendary OCC coach Chuck Wilbur, who is a JUCO legend. And uh, Chuck, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks. So I, I, I wanted to get you on. I mean, we recently put out that article um, about junior college lacrosse, which you did, what, an hour-long presentation um, about JUCO lacrosse, not specifically OCC, but all of JUCO, because you didn't play at OCC. You actually played at Herkimer, right? Yeah, I, I spent two years at Herkimer and then went on to Hobart College. Perfect. And then, so what kind of led you from Hobart to OCC? Like, what, what was the, the gap there like? Yeah, so I was, uh, you know, looking for my first job out of college. Uh, I graduated from Hobart, and I ended up being a, uh, like, a sales rep for a lacrosse company. <laughs> and uh, I saw OCC was starting a program, and I came up here to talk with the coach to see if I can get him any gear and stuff. And um, kind of just walked in, He's, you know, and he remembered me from, obviously, the, my playing days and stuff. And um, he asked me, hey, do you want to work with our um, our attackman a little bit at goalies? I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I came up to shoot around. Like literally the next day, he took a job at Oneyana. Um, okay. And then I kind of accidentally fell into it. And, you know, it was a kind of a new program just starting out um, on and off again in the 80s and 90s. But, you know, starting again in 2001 fall and uh, kind of just fell into it. And here we are. <laughs> Yeah. And so obviously you, you basically either, however you want to look at it, rebuilt it or built that program. So what was the state of the program when you arrived uh, in terms of like competitiveness, rosters, things like uh, facilities, things of that nature? Yeah, nothing. I mean, we had about, you know, 18, 20 guys. Um, it, it was a pretty new program, you know, like you said, eighties and nineties, it was on again and off again, but very more off than on. Um, there was no turf field. We had a little half patch grass field that was used for every other event. And, you know, you're picking up rocks and glass bottles and cleaning up the mess before practice. And I was lining the fields and, you know, we're making it work really. Um, yeah. So it was really nothing. And, uh, you know, I, I did see, you know, uh, being in Syracuse at community college in Syracuse. Um, I went to Herkimer. Herkimer was about an hour away. Herkimer, you know, at that point is where everybody kind of went. Um, upstate guys kind of went to, uh, you know, get their, their lives together academically, whatever it was, you know, it's why you go to Juco, but, um, you know, and Herkimer was, you know, in Utica way out and kind of the middle of nowhere. And, you know, I thought, man, if we can just, you know, develop something here and build something here, people are going to want to come here. It's in the city of Syracuse lacrosse everywhere. Um, and that's what happened. We, you know, you slowly built the program and, um, every year got a little bit better and more guys came. And then we got a couple really premier players, um, you know, and Dean Mancini from West Tennessee and Jason Longo in two big names, I think in the area at that time, um, higher end players. And, uh, it kind of opened up the floodgates for others to come. And then we, you know, in 2005, we, um, we landed Sid Smith from Six Nations along with Junior Bucktooth from Onondaga Nation. And uh, that kind of opened up the next door um, of a lot of, you know, guys coming from Six Nations with Cody Jamison and right. you know, Craig Point and those guys all coming over. And then, you know, that floodgate opened and Onondaga Nation opened. And 
I think these these guys kind of realize this is an opportunity for where I can kind of get my stuff together and um, play pretty high on lacrosse. And then we exploded from there. It's um, right. just winning, winning, you know, breeds, you know, obviously great marketing. And um, and I, I don't think we were just winning on the field, but the winning off the field, these guys moving on to Syracuse University, these guys moving on to Ohio State. And some of these guys that didn't have those opportunities previously were getting those opportunities. And, you know, I think a lot of people looked in the mirror and saw, themselves as Cody Jamison or those guys is, you know, Nick Gatto and other guys who've made it pretty high and out of here. And, um, thought, man, I can go to Onondaga and, and do that same. And I think we also played a pretty, uh, fun style across. We're up tempo, we're fast, we're pushing, we're getting in your face a little bit. It's a, a game that anyone wants to play. And it's, you know, we're not sitting back in zones. We're not holding mm-hmm. the ball for two minutes. We're going to play. And, uh, while playing, we're showing off your ability because it's a high end fast paced game. And, um, I think kids like playing that style and, you know, we kind of exploded, um, you know, and then social media started coming along and that, you know, obviously <laughs> at that point became even bigger just because of, uh, you know, our, our, uh, our name was out there. You know, I have to say like, uh, back around that time that you were talking about, like that 06 kind of time I was in high school. And, uh, so I grew up in Michigan. And so we would have no real reason to know about a community college out in Syracuse, New York. So, but we had still had, we, we still heard about it. Like that was the crazy thing is like, you know, we were either, you know, lax all-stars lacrosse playground inside lacrosse every so often you just hear about this junior college school, or you'd see a couple of YouTube clips and you're like, what the heck is this? And it was starting. That's when it really started to become like, I don't know, mainstream outside of like that, that upstate bubble or that Juco bubble. And so, I, I mean, I've known about or have heard of OCC for a very long time. What was it like, you know, you, you mentioned a few of those big names that came in that kind of shifted it maybe into overdrive because you were already trending up. What was it like? Uh, what was like the, the vibe or, or the feeling on the team when, when everybody else got to see some of these guys come in and they're like, holy crap, like this, we're, we're, we're going somewhere with, the, with these guys. Yeah. Yeah, so in 05, 2005, um, Sid Smith was a freshman. We had a really young team, and um, it, it was there was some talent. Steve Kazimer, who was outstanding player, ended up going to Stevenson. Was a four time All American between us and Stevenson. The kid was you know incredible attack when in Division three ranks. But um, we had some really good players. But we were all young. It was a freshman group, like literally all freshmen outside of a few guys. And we, we had a great season. We ended up beating Herkimer for the first time in 20 something years, they lost the regional championship, which was, you know, obviously at that time, they didn't even, no one touched them in the region. And um, we beat them um, in the regional championship. Then the week later, um, they ended up making the tournament still uh, as the at-large seed, even though we won the region. And um, we ended up losing the semifinal game to Essex, who was obviously a great program out in Baltimore. Um, but we were, we just weren't ready for success. Like we won and everyone was still happy about the regional championship. It was something that never happened in 20 something years. And, you know, we just weren't ready for to understand how to handle final four and the, you know, the atmosphere and just coming off of winning. We lost and ended up Perkimer ended up winning the national championship in 05. Queener was a goalie and he was outstanding. He just stood on his head for semifinals and finals and beat Essex for the championship. But we had the whole team coming back in 2006 and, um, we added, you know, a couple of really good pieces with Cody Jamison and Craig Point and Kent Squares Hill and, you know, some guys that came in that just put us even farther over the top. And, um, 
you know, with those guys coming in and the group that we had coming back that were just hungry after losing and knew how good we were. Um, that's what took us over time. That year we were just untouchable. I mean, we, yeah, we, yeah. We after game 30 to six and <laughs> we didn't have a game within, you know, 20 goals, really. We just hammered everybody and we were that good too. Like we, we scrimmaged, um, some high end D twos and D threes that year and, you know, and beat them pretty handily as well too. So, um, you know, it was a pretty high end group. And then from there, Oh seven, you know, Cody and all them came back and the Thompson brothers arrived, uh, Jeremy and Jerome Thompson. And, uh, we weren't as dominant defensively because we lost junior and uh, Sid and those guys, which, you know, obviously Stefan Schroeder went, went on to Ohio state, but our offense was every bit as good. And we ended up, you know, winning pretty handily in that, in the Nassau versus Nassau at Nassau that year. Um, we beat them by like eight goals, something like that. Um, but those were two teams that were, people haven't seen the native, the Canadian box style across at that point. We were playing, you know, flashy. It was, you know, balls that shouldn't be passed in the middle or being caught and right. throwing legs <laughs> and behind the backs. And, you know, at that point, there wasn't a lot of natives, you know, in the American and playing college lacrosse as well. There just wasn't a ton of Canadians at that point. You know, they had the gates and different things, but not to where it is now. Um, so it was very unique and it was very YouTube sensation type yeah. of stuff because it was, you know, stuff that people had never seen before. And, um, you know, obviously that created a pretty big buzz. Yeah, I think going undefeated, winning the national championship 30 to six is <laughs> I don't think we'll ever see that again. And then you went undefeated the next year again, 15 and 0. So yeah, definitely, I would say that's when things kind of yeah shifted into overdrive. And it's kind of more of what we think of OCC today. Um, I can't imagine as a coach having a program on the rise, and then you get those skill sets coming in all at once. How did you kind of blend how they played with how you were already coaching? Yeah, I mean, I think as a any good coach has to see what their personnel is, and you got to wrap your direction of your offense, your defense, of what you have. Um, if we didn't have you know a bunch of North South Americans Dodgers down the alleys those years, we had you know box style guys, so we had to form our offense around that style, and um, you know we gave them structure but we didn't put restrictions on it as well because you think you restrict some of those guys you're gonna you're gonna make them average players so um, we had a structure in place hey listen this is what you know what we're doing follow the structure and it was a circle but inside that circle we didn't want you going outside of it but that circle is pretty big enough where you can be who you are as a player too and um, we had to just you know develop you know I, the biggest thing is making sure in box um, there's a shot clock and at that point, and if you missed your shot, you're getting the ball back in a minute or 45 seconds um, where, you know, at that point, if we missed a shot, we had a turnover by forcing something in there. We might not have seen the ball for five minutes and team goes down there and stalls and stuff. So we had, un they had to understand that as well. So we had to kind of develop some, some discipline in our, in our stuff. When these, a lot of these guys, you know, especially Cody and those guys never played field across in their life when they arrived here, you know, here and there, they played a little bit, but it was very, Right. you know, just winging it type stuff. Um, so we had to develop understanding how to play the field game and understand it's different from box because of, you know, possessions and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, we had, a, you know, there was a lot of work to be done. Plus we had a lot of talent and, um, you know, sometimes trying to make sure the talent is being able to share the ball and be unselfish. And a lot of these guys come here to be recruited. So it's not about them scoring a hundred goals. If we win as a team, 
you're going to create a buzz. And, right. um, you know, we kind of, and the good thing is we had guys who were very unselfish who understood that. So it didn't, we didn't have to sell that as much as you would think because uh, the kids got it. They knew that if we won as a group and we won big, like we won as a group, everyone will get their, uh, their reward individually from it. And they did, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, shifting slightly. So obviously you have been, a, you've you're retired now from coaching per se as a full-time coach, but you've been coaching for a very long time. I mean, you've got peers all over the place that are at traditional four-year universities. What are some of the differences from the coaching perspective of being at a junior college as opposed to a four-year? Because obviously you're reloading every single year. Like you can't just have a bad year recruiting. Like <laughs> you can't really afford to do that. Well, the positive is every year it's new group. Mm -hmm. And all this stuff you said last year, you can use again because they didn't hear it before. <laughs> so it's not old. Um, you know, some of the, you know, keeping these guys on an edge and keeping a little like, you know, not take anyone for granted because, you know, they beat this team by 30 goals last year or something like that. So there's always an edge to everything. And it's not monotonous. It's not old because literally 50, 60 percent of your team is new every year. So that's actually a positive thing for the, for that side. The negative thing is, um, I mean, you are junior college coach is the hardest coaching job out of everything. High school, all you're doing is, you know, obviously you're developing those guys, but you're moving them on. Um, you got a booster club for your fundraising and, right. you know, parents help, you know, support you. Um, at the four-year level, you're just recruiting and, um, you know, you're, you're worrying about as a head coach, full-time coach, that's your one job is just making sure. As a JUCO guy, many of them are part-time, but you also have to recruit you have to also try to send these guys on to four-year school. So you're, you're, you're doing a high school job as well, trying to get these guys looks out of here, but also you're doing all the fundraising. You're also, you know, you got young kids, 18, 19 year old kids going to college for the first time. So keeping them focused and disciplined and, you know, follow the line and not, you know, stray away and, you know, screw up in school or whatever. So there's a lot of work in the JUCO as a JUCO coach, um, a lot of, uh, you know, stuff that as a four-year school, they don't have to deal with. Um, you get mostly juniors and seniors a lot of times, you know, as your leaders of the team. So they help manage the team as well. And again, the funding that comes from a four-year school is a lot different than a JUCO school. So the booster stuff and the, you know, fundraising stuff, uh, they don't have to deal with all that stuff. So it, it is a, a challenge as a JUCO coach, but there's so many positive rewards in it too, because you're, these kids are coming here for an opportunity. They need this second chance or third chance sometimes in life. And um, a lot of them will run through a wall for you. You know, as long as you, they know that you love them, um, you, they'll run through a wall to do anything they can to make sure that, you know, they are rewarded this opportunity. Okay. And so you've been at OCC for, for almost 20 years, roughly. Um, how has it changed? Like you mentioned, you're putting, pushing kids on to the next step, right? Which is for the most part, trying to get into a four year. So how has that changed from when you started to, you know, your, your last couple of years, did that get easier as JUCO became more, I mean, I, I don't know if well, more well-respected is the, is the term I want to use there, but the exposure became, it became a lot easier to find these guys at a JUCO as opposed to maybe in 2000 or in the eighties, nineties. So how, how did that kind of change throughout your time there? Yeah. I mean, in the, you know, back in the day, Herkimer and, you know, had no problem with kids on, they were successful. Coach Warren was incredible and did a great job. And so many great players went through that program, moved on. So I kind of like knew 
how coach Wareham did it. And I followed his model a little bit. Um, so we, you know, we had success moving on, but as time went on, as we won and we won big and these stars were coming in and out of our program, it made it easier because they knew there was some studs up here. And, um, you know, they knew that I was running a pretty tight ship of making sure they're doing what they're supposed to do on and off the field. And we were getting prepared, not just on the field, because we were physically doing weightlifting programs and all that stuff, but we were also getting mentally prepared for off the field and making sure that they're getting a kid that they can trust and rely on that, you know, they're putting money into and kids going to be accountable. And um, I think as time went on, these coaches start trusting, yeah, you're going to get a good product at a OCC. They knew they were going to be good players, but they're also getting a good product off the field. And um, that trust grew as time went on and the guys went on to four-year schools and were successful. And they were our biggest sales and our biggest marketers were all our, um, our kids moving on and having success at the next level and doing great things. And, you know, Cody and Sid scoring the game-winning goal, you know, and against Syracuse versus Cornell. Um, you know, Sid took the ball away and Cody went down and scored the game and goal in the national championship game. It was huge marketing for our program. You know, Stefan Schroeder, our goalie from the 06 team coming down against Cornell in the national tournament and scoring a goal, you know, and end goalie, you know, scoring on ESPN top 10 plays, huge marketing stuff. So those things helped the exposure of our program of our alumni doing great things and going on to the world games and Iroquois nationals having success. And, um, so that all stuff helped our current group right now that are here um, trying to right. make it because, you know, those guys help build the, the bridge and to build the stairs um, for their, their opportunities out of here. So definitely as time went on, um, things got easier as far as moving these kids on because the product that they were getting um, was proof in the pudding of, you know, these guys are going to do what they're supposed to do to be successful. Yeah. And also speaking of building, has that affected the overall, I mean, obviously this is, has to be one of the most successful programs on your campus. So has that helped elevate the entire campus? I mean, I know that you have a, a very nice field now and you were talking about, you only had a patch of grass in the beginning. Um, you know, and not to say that every alumni that has gone and played is now a multimillionaire athlete or anything like that, but I'm sure that when it comes down to it, there are people giving back, uh, in ways that maybe weren't as prevalent before. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I forgot when a couple of years ago, a year ago, um, we had, we were in the top three or four colleges that had the most pro lacrosse players right now, including indoor and, and outdoor. Um, so I think it was Syracuse, you know, Ohio state and us were the top three schools in professional lacrosse players. So that was pretty cool as a Juco school, um, you know, we were having guys that were just as many as these big name four-year division one schools as, you know, professional lacrosse players. So, um, and the kids, I think all the, you know, they're young adults now, I think they all appreciate what the program has done for them. And a lot of them get back and support us. We are a Nike sponsored school, which is pretty unique for a junior college. Um, and a big part of that is the Thompson brothers. They are the face of Nike, um, you know, and everything they do with the, the Iroquois Nationals and all that stuff. And Nike supports us and um, not <laughs> nobody else in, you know, can really say that in the Juco lacrosse landscape is how, how well we're taken care of by Nike and their support because of our alumni. Our alumni, you know, are so big deals at these places. So, um, yeah, in our athletic programs, it's, um, you know, we didn't really have, and our athletic programs were okay, but, you know, when we started getting good, we opened up res halls. Our dorms got, you know, we had dorms on campus. Our fields, we have an SRC arena. It's a full field indoor, 
you know, place that not many junior college, not many four-year schools. Yeah. Yeah. So our success definitely helped build a college so let alone our athletic program. And, you know, we went on our women's lacrosse went on to win a couple of national championships since then our women's basketball has been in the final four several times over the last, you know, 10, 15 years or men's basketball teams, you know, very good. So, yeah, I mean, I think just like anywhere, success breeds success. So I think um, our success definitely helped, you know, open a door for other teams here as well as our college is growing. Right. And so perfect segue. So, you know, obviously your, your resume is filled with uh, success at this point. And uh, I'm just looking at some of these stats. I mean, two, uh, and correct me if any of these are outdated, but 266 and 15 overall, uh, 17 consecutive uh, mid-state athletic conference championships and 11 national championships. Those are all impressive, but I think what's most impressive, at least to me, is the 107 games unbeaten streak. What, I mean, at, at any point, did that become kind of, I'm sure in the beginning there were times where it's like, okay, yeah, we got to keep this streak alive. But at some point, did it just get forgotten about? And it was just like, you know, we can't think of every single, like this gets exhausting thinking of every single game like this. Yeah. So we had an SID that reminded us pretty daily. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't even want to think about it. You know, it was, we pretended like it was no pressure and didn't think about it, but we were lying. You know, you thought about it all the time and you, you know, these it's more, we, I didn't as a coach that kids did they didn't want to be the team that lost. Um, right. So the pressure became on those guys and withholding up the, the past and the alumni and make sure the, and the alumni are so proud. It was so proud of that record, you know, and we broke every college record and everything else. And the kids love that. So, but yeah, we had an SID who came aboard and, you know, he promoted it, <laughs> which was great for the program and the school. But, you know, for us, we always, you know, keep that quiet a little bit quieter. So not every school comes here and, you know, that's your game plan to beat us for the, you know, the break the streak. So yeah, it, it became pressurized and ESPN picked it up and um, we were on ESPN two for it and every news channel when we did break the record. Um, then we broke it, it kind of was a relief, um, you know, to kind of get it over with. And then we ended up losing um, to NASA, our rival, and ended the win streak and down there, um, 2000, whatever it was, 15, 16. And yeah, um, yeah, I mean, that was a, uh, it was kind of a relief that we lost, you know, end up losing a little bit. And now we can refocus on what we're supposed to be doing. Um, and honestly, any team that should have beat us with Nassau, because we, <laughs> there was so many games that we played with them. It was such fun games that, uh, you know, that we were, at, we were fortunate to be on the, the winning side and win national championships on their field. And they had to see us celebrate so many times in their field that you know, they deserved to be the team that ended us, you know, our win streak. So that's very cool. Um, you, you also mentioned that there, are a ton of professional lacrosse players that have come out of OCC. And so I have to imagine right now, especially, you know, now we've got the, the PLL, obviously the NLL as well. I mean, you have your fair share of, of professional box players, but um, what is it like, I guess, I mean, it's unique for you. You're probably, you were probably the only Juco that was consistently touting like during the recruiting process that you have like an extremely high chance of playing professional lacrosse. If you come here, what is it like seeing those guys today, you know, having the success as this game kind of explodes a little bit more on like a national or international scale and how involved are the alumni? Like how close are you with the alumni and how involved are they with the program today? Yeah, they love the program. Um, I think every other week I see Tyson Bell 
um yeah. instagram picture of him wearing his OCC jersey and you know he's those guys give back to every alumni game they're all here you know the brandy stats austin stats you know thompson brothers and tyson bell and shane jackson shane jackson who's quietly hit you know the mvp of the uh, box league and right um people you know he kind of gets shuffled away with all those other big names but shane jackson was an incredible player for us and you know you can keep on going on but the alumni love the program and um I remember so many of them saying, yeah, I'm going to Ohio State, I'm going to Syracuse, but man, I would love if OCC was a four-year school. I don't want to leave this place. Um, I think they develop a relationship. There's a bond here because they come as young kids here, as 18, 19-year-old kids, looking around, trying to leave in mom and dad's house for the first time, trying to make it in this world when they've struggled previously or whatever, you know, brought them to this point. And there's a family type atmosphere. There's an alumni type atmosphere that everyone has each other's back here and they look out for each other. Um, yeah, of course, on the field, but most importantly, off the field to make sure each individual has an opportunity and are taken care of here. And it's a it's a group. You know, obviously, I'm, I was the coach and kind of the the one that puts the X's and O's together. But it was a group from all my assistant coaches to all the players on the team, to all the alumni that helped form a bond together and say nobody in this group is not not going to make it we're going to all going to take care of each other and um and even continue today our alumni are our best recruiters our alumni hey coach get a stud man you you know he can come play He's, he needs occ and um they're our best recruiters you know i i we still recruit but our alumni are our best recruiters are the ones that promote us daily you know and they're everyday lives you know and they see a player you know my phone i just got a text <laughs> five minutes ago hey coach i got a player for you you know and it happens all the time um you know just because they know how much the program helped them and they know they see a special player and they want the team to be successful but they also meet these individuals out there that they know on a dog it will be great for them because it's been so good to so many and um you know and again they also want to keep the program winning so it's a right part. yeah yeah, they take great pride in it. That's for sure. And I, I think it's funny because I've seen that Tyson Bell post and I see all of those ones that are, I'm like, yep, Tyson's very, very proud and very yeah. uh, happy to have gone to OCC. Uh, that, I'll leave you with this one last question and, and, you know, we'll, we'll link the other post, which is like this in-depth look at Juco lacrosse, but what's kind of your, your elevator pitch, if you will, for somebody to come to OCC? Yeah, I mean, there's so many reasons why you come here. Um, but, so, you know, with COVID going on, these rosters are filled. Um, there's not a lot of openings at these four-year schools. And if there are, there's super seniors in front of you, you know, that are, when I say super seniors, some of these seniors are getting an extra year back because of COVID years and all that stuff. And, you know, they're going to probably have to sit for their year or two. Um, we're a place like here, a Juco school, they're going to actually get to play and, you know, say that they're currently a D2 player, a D3 player, just how much you grow in a year or two when you're playing with high end talent. And just as a person, as a, you know, mentally and physically, what you grow from a 17 to a 19 year old kid, there's kids that come in here and they were getting recruited by Cortland's and, you know, good D3s. And then they left here and they're going to a high end D1 because physically and athletically and mentally they matured so much. Um, I'll say, uh, you know, outside of that, our costs <laughs> to go here, yeah. you know, it's like you're on a full ride because mm -hmm. the cost is, you know, it's literally almost, you know, roughly about $5,000 for the year for tuition and stuff. So you're, you're saving so much money. Um, you're growing as a person. And a lot of these kids come here and they're, you know, I, what do you want to be when you grow up? I have no idea which is 
you know, as a 16, 17, 18 year old, I didn't want to do what I wanted to do when I grew up. So this helps almost um, develop the pathway for what you want to be and what you want to do. You're taking liberal arts general studies a lot of times, and you're taking a little bit of sociology, a little bit of psychology and different courses, business courses. And they're like, Oh yeah, you know what? I like this. Actually, this is what I want to be. This is what I want to do. So it helps develop a future of what you want to be when you, you know, you grow up, you know, what career you want to follow. So it just buys you a little time in life um, while getting your degree in education and growing up as a person. Um, and, you know, these big universities, there's thousands of kids that go there and you're just a number sometimes where here the school's a little bit smaller, the class size is a little smaller and you're taken care of regularly by myself and the coaches and they are watching over you to make sure that you're supported to make sure you're successful. So, I mean, the biggest selling point is, you know, there isn't a lot of risk to come to a JUCO school. You're, it's very low cost. It's very low right. risk. And the upside out of it is outstanding. You can go on to be, you know, a high end division one player, or you can say, you know what, there's kids who come here and say, my goal is to go to Syracuse. Then they leave here and they're like, you know what, I'm going to Lemoyne. What a great program that is. Division two national champion. They get to play on Memorial Day. Coach Sheen does a great job. And they change their mindset. It's like, you know what? It's not about lacrosse anymore. It's about getting my degree and moving on and being successful in life. And they change their way of thinking. So, you know, it, it's just a time to grow as a person. And it's um, you get an opportunity to play at a high end. And the schools we play, 40, 50 percent of them go to D1, D2 scholarship schools. So you're playing against good talent and right. uh, you just become a better player. Perfect. Uh, I did have one last question that it was just a personal one. Why, what do you think limits the addition of lacrosse at more junior colleges? Because obviously it is kind of stuck on the East coast and, and we'd love to see it grow even in the Midwest here, but obviously with lower travel budgets and, and things of that nature, it's difficult to, to warrant, like, let's say adding a team in Detroit, that's going to have to travel at least to Western New York just to get a couple games in. So is that the biggest hurdle you see? Would it be helpful if we added three or four or a whole conference of teams to start? Or, you know, what's your opinion on, on that? Yeah, number one is funding. Um, mm-hmm. These schools have to realize, you know, some of them say, oh, we're barely getting by our community college. We don't have a lot of money as it is. Well, guess what? You bring in 50 kids and 30 of them are for outside the state. That's a lot of money you're bringing into tuition and expenses and res halls and all that stuff. That money alone will pay for your funding of going to, you know, getting meal money or whatever, you know, buying a couple of helmets, whatever it is, you're <laughs> way more than, you know, your, uh, what you have to pay out. So it's well worth bringing in 50 adult males or females, whatever you're bringing to build a program. So, um, so financially, I never understood that part because if you get people to come there, it's going to, you're going to pay for it. But um, the other part is, yeah, you're going to have to, one school can't start out in Detroit, Michigan, or one school can't start out in Florida because, yeah. You know, for financial reasons, how are they going to play other places? So you got to build um, like New Jersey did. New Jersey has a um, conference out there now that, um, you know, there was five teams that kind of started all at once and they were able to have a region, even though New Jersey is still East Coast, but they did it yeah. the right way. It wasn't just one team starting and saying, who are we playing? It, you know, they had five teams start with them. So a place like Detroit, you start five, six teams and now you're playing those teams maybe twice a year and then you get to play maybe you come down here for spring break or you go down to Maryland for spring break and you're playing two three games there now you're able to make a schedule where you're playing your teams in your conference but you get to play two three games and maybe we come up there for you know we do a home and home on a Saturday right. or whatever so there's a way to build a schedule 
but you also have to build the foundation off of having a conference first. Yeah, because I feel like these less traditional areas like a Michigan or Illinois, you know, these these hot like they're 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 developing and we've all seen players come out of these places, but I can't imagine, I mean, it's difficult I think to get them to move to upstate New York to go to junior college sometimes. But if they were able to get seasoned, I, I like that word, <laughs> two years of seasoning to develop, mature, develop a skill set, get a little bit bigger. I think you'd see the recruitment go through the roof all of a sudden. And I think that obviously benefits you where you're at and, and Maryland and New Jersey. And I think uh, that's going to be important. So I think, yeah, it, it's going to just take a group or a conference or somebody just to bite the bullet and try it or somebody that has enough money to just say, here's a yeah. donation, make it happen. And let's see how it goes. Cause a lot of the, I mean, at least where I live, a lot of the junior colleges have exceptional athletic programs, turf fields, bubbles, like the whole nine yards, but they don't have a lacrosse team. And so uh, it's a killer, but thank you so much coach for your time. Uh, I, I hope you're enjoying your new role. It sounded like you, like you're loving it, but you're still very much a fan and involved in the program. So uh, thank you very much. Yeah, and thanks for uh, just promoting us. Lex All Stars, all those guys do such a great job of uh, promoting junior college lacrosse. And um, you know, without you guys, you know, obviously it's it's important for us to be able to get the word out and how great things some of these guys do and what junior college can do for people. So we appreciate it. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Offsides.